137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Pixelated Paranormal. This is episode 295. I am sorry it was my fault we are late. I am Sean, of course, and with me as always is Preston. Preston, buddy, how are you, sir? I kissed a rhino, and now I have space aids. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you said you were coming down with the sickness, and then this afternoon I started getting kind of cruddy with my allergies as well. So, Man, um, I was like... I was, you know, when you come down with the sickness, it's not like you ever want it to be one particular thing, but I'm thinking like, all right, it's a sinus infection. I get these all the time during this time of year. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I go to the doctor and she's like, well, anybody else in your house sick? I'm like, yeah, my daughter's got the rhino flu. She's like, okay, let me swab your throat. Let me swab your nose. Yeah, you got that. Uh, it's viral. We don't give anything for it. Just uh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to stop being a pussy for like ten days and just take some medication. <laughs> you know, Sudafed's always said, good. I'm like, I bet. Said, Su- How do I do that? Yeah, you know, I bet Sudafed is good. But you want you know what I want right now? I want a fucking like prednisone. I want a steroid that's like me, you know, snorting cocaine off a of dog's you know fur like Gary Busey and be like, oh, I'm ready to go to work. I'm gonna do a podcast tonight. I got prednisone in me. And now I'm just like, I want to die. So thanks for nothing, fucking doctor. Yeah, what can you do, man? This episode's going to be short and sweet just like me because we're both getting down with the sickness. But that's okay. We have a cornucopia of news stories to share with you guys on this episode that was supposed to be. You have a cornucopia of news stories to share. (laughs) I'm just here to be grumpy and... Maybe pull up you a can picture. Do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so you don't have anything to add besides your color commentary, and that's okay. That's just a okay with me. Because I got some good stuff. Five news stories I found I was going to share on the full episode, but that's all right. Next time we've got all the monsters we planned for tonight, so don't you worry. But first up in animal news, following the news story we shared back on episode 293 about that three legged bear. From Lake Mary, Florida, called Tripod, who broke into that house and drank all of the White Claws. S- sound, sounds like Corey's, Corey's character from D&D, drinking White Claws. <laughs> it does, yeah. Missing some right. appendages. Back on Tuesday morning, two bears on an Alaska military base raided a Krispy Kreme donut van that was stopped outside a convenience store during its delivery route. The driver usually left his doors open when he stopped at the store, but this time a female bear and one of her cubs that normally loitered near the convenience store sauntered inside where they stayed for probably 20 minutes inside the truck. The bears chomped on donut holes and other pastries, ignoring the banging on the side of the van that was aimed at shooing them away. Shelly Dino, the store manager for Joint Base Ellendorf Richardson's JMM Express, said... I was beating on the van and they weren't even moving. I could hear them inside breaking open packages and everything and I was just like, they don't even care. When the bears couldn't be roused, the base security was called and sounded sirens meant to scare away the bears. 
they still didn't care. Eventually, though, after they had their fill of donuts and other delicious pastries, they came out and wandered off in front of the convenience store, then over to a gas station. They hung out there for a bit and then eventually made their way into the woods. It's not unusual to see bears on the base or around the store, but nothing like this has ever happened before. Dino added that the delivery driver now closes his doors at every stop. And now the shop workers are cautious when they come in and when they leave. When they take out the trash, now they do it in pairs, especially if it's after dark. And now authorities on base say they're aware of this and other wildlife situations throughout the past several months. Local authorities also urge the public to use caution and ensure you're protecting our wildlife and yourselves. Wildlife may be our neighbor, but they shouldn't be attracted to our human food sources. So there you go. We're slowly becoming a news bear network. Oh, nice. Well, shifting gears on to rescue news. Presto, can you flash up that first picture for me, honey? There you go. I don't know what the fuck Keen. I'm looking at. Looks like some weird <laughs> Mac, Mad Max Thunderdome death thing with balloons. You got it. All that and more. Oh. In Florida, ultramarathoner Ray Bellucci also a peace activist, is facing charges after allegedly attempting to run across the Atlantic Ocean in a homemade hamster wheel in what authorities say is now at least his fourth attempt of the aquatic feat. Now Ray's intercoastal stunt ended approximately 60 miles off the coast of South Carolina last week after the U.S. Coast Guard said they spotted him floating in a circular cage, initially near Savannah, Georgia during their routine preparations ahead of Hurricane Idalia. Now, the 51-year-old said he was heading for London, England in this contraption, which is about 4,000 miles away, but he was repeatedly told that the vessel was unsafe and shouldn't be used in such a trek. It was described as staying afloat through wires and buoys, according to a copy of the criminal complaint. So Ray allegedly refused to leave his vessel, which authorities described as a hydropod, or like you said, a hamster wheel held together by balloons. He went on to threaten to stab himself if anybody tried to stop him from making the trek. So police stayed nearby, and the next day when they asked him if he'd please comply and come with them, he produced two knives and again threatened to harm himself. So officers stayed with him for three days total as he continued to make his way up the coast, during which he also allegedly threatened to blow himself up with a device if anybody tried to intervene, showing the officers that he had a series of wires that were attached to explosive devices. But thankfully, authorities said later the devices were found to be fake. Saray ultimately surrendered near Georgetown, South Carolina on August 29th, and was brought to Miami Federal Court where he was charged with obstruction of boarding and violation of the captain of the port order. And like I said, according to the court documents, this was Ray Bellucci's fourth attempt to traverse the high seas in a floating craft, with him previously being stopped by the Coast Guard back in 2014, 2016, and again recently in 2021, if at first you don't succeed. Try, try his first again. attempt, right? His first attempt cost taxpayers more than one hundred and forty thousand dollars, where he had attempted to reach the Bermuda Triangle back in two thousand fourteen. 
and supposedly the Coast Guard said it had actually provided Bellucci with an outlined series of requirements if he wanted to safely and legally travel in such a vessel again. But unfortunately, those requirements were ignored, authorities said, and he was later rescued in another homemade vessel back in 2016 while attempting to travel from Florida to Bermuda, Puerto Rico, Haiti, Cuba, and then back again. His publicist at the time told the South Florida Sun Sentinel that it was her understanding that the Coast Guard's order was merely a recommendation and not a mandate, saying that he will definitely try this again. Bellucci has publicly presented himself as a peace activist. His website states that his mission is to show the world that anything is possible if you believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of one of those Zorb balls, which I really want to get back inside of. I tried one at a fair once. It was okay. Last Wednesday at the Seascape Cafe at the Observatory in Lincolnshire, England, which is part of a cafe which is also used as a community space, art gallery, and exercise studio, patrons were surprised when police rushed in shortly after their 9.30 p.m. yoga class had wrapped up after a concerned passerby looked into the windows and mistook the final resting position of the entire class for a group of people participating in a mass suicide. Lincolnshire police received a call about the incident at 8.56 p.m. from a caller who was, quote, calling with good intentions. They had reported to police that they had seen somebody walking around a room lit with candles and what looked like several dead bodies laying around all over the floor. The couple thought it was some sort of ritual mass killing. Now, for the uneducated, the final resting pose in most, if all, yoga classes is called Savasana, also known as the corpse pose. Oh, I thought it was downward dog. At... It was at the beginning. You no, that's usually one of the... <laughs> yeah, the beginning doggy style. Have you done yoga? Have you got to go do yoga before? Fuck no, dude. Oh, man, we love it. We go quite a bit. We haven't been in a while, but, man. Dude, if I, if, I, if, I, if I tried one yoga pose like uh-huh. you, I, I would crack like a skeleton like you would hear things that you didn't want to hear like that's how <laughs> stiff my body is this, this you want to come man, with us sometime yeah this old man this old man body ain't made for all them different poses oh buddy you know who you sound like <clears throat> your brother yeah. you should come with us sometime you and jeffrey and go to a beer and yoga where you do yoga and then you get a beer either before after or sometimes both so anyway, for the un <laughs> for the uneducated and pressed, and the final resting pose in most, if off, if not all, yoga classes is also known as the corpse pose, which typically occurs at the end of the class, in which everybody lies on their backs with their eyes closed, in order to just kind of sink into a meditative state and just relax after you know an hour of yoga. So the unidentified concerned citizen saw this and reported what they thought was a mass killing in the building, having seen several bodies laying on the floor. And you know, sometimes it's just best to mind your own flipping business. So the Seascape Cafe posted on Facebook, We're not part of any mad, cult, or crazy club. All in all, this situation turned out positive, and we are, of course, grateful. Now, Millie Laws, who taught the yoga class, went into more details about the incident, Mills told the Post that seven students were lying on their backs for about half an hour as she banged a shamanic drum 
and the dark lit room being lit only by candles during a half an hour, sorry, an hour and a half long restorative yoga class. She told the newspaper that she was also wearing a flowy top that could have been in resemblance of a robe. She said she noticed a couple outside the studio walking a dog who had stopped to peer into the windows, and they must have been be- bewildered at the sight. Mills added to the post. Hey, the hold on. Already- like, so listen, sorry, my mic was muted. So yes, my eye can't, or uh, my mic is on, and I'd like to think that I look better in my tank top than Sean looked in his. So there's that. All right, continue. How long has your mic been turned off? Ah, fuck, who knows? Like, look, I'm not with it uh, right right now, so you're, uh, you're, you're, oh you're, 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 you're carrying this show tonight, all right, downward dog. Okay, you're all right. As yeah. long as your audio is being recorded by uh, yeah, some, Audacity, we're yeah, good there, to go. There you go. Yeah. There's wavelengths. Okay, so so basically, if you uh, couldn't hear Preston, he doesn't do yoga. He thinks it's for sissies, and he's scared did, to do it because he's afraid his body might crack and did, pop like a $10 skeleton at a drugstore. Yeah, I, did, I didn't say it was for sissies. I said it wasn't for me because I, I know what I can and can't do with my body, and uh, stretching ain't, ain't it. Mills added to the post that the class had already ended by the time the horde of police officers came and the yogis experienced a lovely relaxation session with no interruptions, thankfully. But they are very thankful police came in such a prompt response. Okay, moving on. In Bagley Township, Michigan. A woman was rescued last Tuesday from an outhouse toilet in northern Michigan after she climbed inside to retrieve her Apple Watch that had fallen off after using the facilities, and she suddenly became trapped. The woman, whose name was not released, lowered herself inside the toilet after dropping the watch at the Department of Natural Resources boat launch at Lake Dixon in Otsego County's Bagley Township. The first responders that were called said the woman was heard yelling for help. The toilet was removed and a strap was used to haul the woman out. They said if you lose an item in an outhouse toilet, don't attempt to venture inside the contaminated area. Serious injury can occur. The state police did not say Wednesday if the woman was injured or if the watch was recovered. I don't think I would do it, man. Would you do it? What's one item you would drop in the toilet, you know, a public shit or outhouse, and you'd go after it? Uh, like a porta potty or an actual outhouse? Well, a porta potty. Well, porta potty's not that deep. So, you, like. It's not that big of a deal. I still would stick my hand down in there. I'd be like, fuck it. I'm lost. <laughs> uh, yeah. An, an outhouse? Oh, fuck no. I remember my uh, my grandmother telling me stories uh, when they came over to the United States about using mm-hmm. the outhouse and shit. And I was like, you're a fucking savage, Grandma. Like, stop it. She was so old <laughs> that uh, she was like uh, six years old when the Titanic sank. Ah, yeah. She was alive. I can't think of she, one item. She was alive during the Dust Bowl. That's how old she was. <laughs> she used dried up corn cobs to wipe her ass after using the outhouse and had to go out there in the fucking you know, frozen winter. That's how savage she was. Mm-hmm. No. you had to. She was like, you had to dig a hole deep, son. No. If something fell in an actual outhouse, fuck it. It's gone. It's in the mm-hmm. abyss. I don't, I don't need it. Plus... I would never even. I, I owned an iWatch. I hated my Apple. My Apple Watch. Uh, I, mm. I'm a traditionalist. I like my my 
analog timepiece. I don't like that fucking digital crap on my wrist mm-hmm. that I got to charge a battery for. Fuck that shit. That's not, Man, that's not... you sound just like Jason. I know. I'm, I'm getting crankier in my old I day. know. Holy cow, buddy boy. Hey, that's all right. I saved a news story for you, sir, that I think you're really going to get into, okay? Our final news story for the episode, somewhat keeping up the theme of our last story, a pretty unusual archaeological discovery has recently been made where archaeologists, archaeologists, archaeologists in Rome have recently unearthed a trove of artifacts from the site of a Renaissance-era hospital, which was built atop the ancient Caesar's Forum. Among these discoveries, most remarkable, are 500-year-old urine flasks that were used for diagnosing ailments in what was one of history's most bizarre medical practices. The archaeological team initially excavated the 16th century hospital's trash dump site back in 2021. The site sat within Caesar's Forum, an ancient symposium built in 46 BC to honor Emperor Julius Caesar. Now, originally during the Renaissance, a baker's guild had used the space to build their, uh, Preston, help me out here. You don't even have the notes open. Fuck, I don't have the notes open. Come on, take a stab <laughs> at it. Hospital de Fornari. Oh, you fucking idiot. Hospital. You, you butchered that. That's not even whatever you say to me when I screw up a word. Just ad lib it in. You fucked that one up. <laughs> it's too late now. Roll with it. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, always. Workers at the hospital then created the dump to manage the hospital's waste, where artifacts lay undisturbed for hundreds of years. The archaeological team partnered with the Caesars Forum Project, a Danish-Italian research group dedicated to studying Caesars Forum to examine the hundreds of artifacts found at the trash dump. And the team primarily found ceramic vessels, coins, rosaries, and glassware, which they believe were once used by patients at the hospital and that the medical center may have provided patients with a gift basket consisting of jugs, drinking glasses, bowls, and plates. But here's where things get kind of fun and which maybe also could be a little gross. More than half of the glassware found at the dump consisted of matula or matula, the urine flask once used by doctors across Europe. You see, hospital staff use the flask to collect urine from patients for analysis and observation and as part of their process to diagnose and treat certain ailments. Doctors would oftentimes use methods that involved smelling and even tasting their patients' urine now, at certain you, times during would you, treatment. Would you do that way back in the day if you were a doctor and I was dying on a bed and you're like, here, piss in this cup real quick. Would you drink just a, just a little... Just like a little saucer, like a little kitten. Would you get up there? Would you like lick my pee and be like, "Oh, buddy, it ain't looking mm-hmm. good." I would probably, I would probably clear my throat and adjust my slightly thinner tank top straps. Yeah, and then say, <laughs> "You should have done yoga, you putts." And I'd walk out and say, "This uh, one's a goner." Yeah. <laughs> So they would sometimes smell and taste the patient's urine at certain urine at certain times during treatment. This practice would have been routine, as the practice of uroscopy or the study of urine had been an integral part of medicine as far back as ancient Greece. A doctor would pour the patient's urine into the flask to observe the color, sedimentation, smell, and sometimes even taste. Analyzing a patient's urine was the best way to allow a doctor in the time 
to determine if he or she had any illnesses like jaundice, kidney disease, and even diabetes. Historians specifically note that urine tasting was effective in diagnosing diabetes given the excess glucose in the patient's urine that would give off a very distinctly sweet flavor. And supposedly, one 17th century English physician named Thomas Willis actually described the pee of a diabetes patient as a wonderfully sweet, delicious taste as if they had been imbued with honey or sugar. Get the fuck out of here. After taste... <laughs> okay, if I was in the hospital bed and I'm sitting there like, Doc, you gotta help me, would you drink my pee? No, I, I'd smell it for you and be like, I don't know, fucking man up, pussy. <laughs> You ain't gonna die. Quit doing so much yoga. Yeah, your pee smells okay. Would I taste it? No. If it's life or death for you, I'd be like, "Sorry, dude. Let me know what it's like on the other side." Obi Wan Kenobi, Force Ghost, my ass. You would use that as a guise to get me to die to come back and haunt you. Yep. (laughs) Podcast fodder. Well, after tasting, smelling, and examining the urine, hospital staff would dispose of the urine flask at the dump. Then, once the dump became full, staff would entomb the site in clay, presumably for sanitary reasons. Now, while unauthorized trash dumps were common, researchers are sure that their excavation site belonged specifically to the hospital, given the types of items that were identified there. The presence of ceramic ware suggests that Renaissance-era doctors also boiled and sometimes burned the glassware, though it doesn't necessarily prove they did this to sterilize them. In their study's concluding statement, the team stated that they hoped this research would highlight the need for more complete overview of the hygiene and disease control regimes of modern Europe. So speaking of urine, I want to add a little history lesson in here for you. I'm going to contribute. I said I wasn't, but I lied. You know, I'm about halfway through that energy drink and I got some nicotine in me and I sound like I've, you know, smoked like five, you know, five packs of cigarettes or something. I got, I got that nasally voice going on anyways a couple of years ago on the internet this guy released this pdf book that you could download for free uh, so that you could create your very own philosopher's stone and he unlocked the secrets on how to do it and it actually uh involved you pissing into a cauldron and then having to like burn that pee for like slow burn cook it and then taking that substance and then adding stuff to it um, and it was very, it was a dedicated process. And by the time that you got done seven years later, you would have this perfect calcified stone from your piss uh, that was the philosopher's stone that would give you the, uh, you know, gift of eternal life and alchemy and all that. So, secrets in the pee, man. Huh. <laughs> You've passed a few sorcerer's stones yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I didn't get eternal life. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that. just got a real sore penis man <laughs> kidney stones are the worst yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't drink your urine because I'd have to fucking chew with the amount of monster and other shit you drink oh yeah Big Dob said he's currently making you a stone <laughs> disgusting okay here's another fun question for you and also everybody watching what's the oldest urine you've ever seen um I don't I don't I don't fucking know. So back when I was in high school as a, as a freshman, 
We had a speech teacher who taught speech, public speaking. He was also in charge of every play and every performance, every production, every musical. And his name was Pete. Pete was a pretty cool teacher. We all liked him. At the time, I hated public speaking, never would have dreamed of having a podcast, let alone giving you know a presentation in front of more than like two people who I knew. So I took speech class, and he offered up some extra credit. And Pete said, listen, anybody who helps do lights or sound booth for these productions um, for Stomp, I'll give you a little extra credit at the end of the year. So I went and tried out and became the light and sound guy for most of the productions from the second half of my freshman year up through like senior year. Anyway, in the light booth, it was like an old German, you know, U-boat, all these levers and everything you had to pull and switches and buttons to push. Anytime we were in the middle of an actual production, like we're talking dress rehearsal or the nights of the actual play, you couldn't leave the booth until intermission or after the play was over. You could, however, if you had to go to the bathroom bad enough, climb up the ladder, go across the catwalk, across all the audience, down the ladder back in the green room to use the bathroom. Well, my buddy Matt happened to be in the booth with me one night, and he's like, dude, I have got to take a piss. And I'm like, well, I mean, your options are going to be like climb the ladder or you know, feel the wrath of Pete if you dare go out that door. And Matt's like, no, I won't make it, dude. Like, I've been holding it for a while. And so we got a Gatorade bottle. And Matt took a piss in this Gatorade bottle, filled it just about all the way up, you know. Um, We tightened the lid on it real good. And we wrapped masking tape all the way around this bottle. And I drew a skull and crossbones and wrote, do not open. And we stuck it in one of the little lockers they had in the light booth with the full intention to throw this thing away after this is over. But you didn't, because you're so, a fucking savage. Yeah, you fast forward to sophomore year. Um, we're in there, you know, like kind of cleaning the auditorium, cleaning out all the trash out of the light booth from the previous, you know, semester. And I open up this locker, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's this bottle of Matt's piss. And so Matt's now a junior, because he was a year ahead of us. And I holler at Matt. Matt's like, oh, my God, we got to leave it in there. So we left it in there for my entire junior year, or my entire sophomore year. Um, I become a junior. We leave it in there. Finally, before Matt graduates, we hide it up in the catwalk. Well, one day, somebody's milling around the catwalk senior year, and they find the bottle, and they're like, what the fuck is this? And I start laughing, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's Matt's piss. Matt peed in that back in, like, 2000, like the late spring of 2000. They thought it was disgusting, so they ran down with this bottle and they took it to Pete, and they're like, oh, my God, somebody peed in this. It's urine. And, of course, Pete knew that I was involved in this, you know, shenanigan. So he calls me into his room, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, is this really piss? Is this actually a bottle of piss? And I'm like, yeah, it's Matt's piss. He peed in there during uh, Stomp, because I'm like, you know what? I'm already caught. Might as well be honest and own it. And Matt was beloved by, like, everybody. Everyone loved Matt. And Pete's like, oh, my God. And like he turned the bottle over and the bottom of the bottle wasn't covered by tape. And you just see like this weird caramely color, you know, solid chunk. And slowly it starts to like disintegrate. The urine had been in there for what, three years? To the point where it completely separated into solids and sediment and actual, you know, clear liquid at the top. It was the creepiest shit. And <laughs> it's been long enough now. Uh, Pete actually kept it on a shelf behind his desk. Uh, high enough where no one could grab a hold of it to find out what it was for the rest of the semester. So I have seen three-year-old pee in a Gatorade bottle. Well, what did he do with it after that? Did he keep it? 
see you know what it was like after like <laughs> no no one opened it because dear god it'd probably knock you out you know the opposite of a smelling salt no after the semester is over um i guess the principal had heard wind that there was a bottle of like three-year-old piss on the back of his shelf and so he actually threw it away before he got in trouble <laughs> oh good stuff man good stuff <laughs> Lazarus says, don't lie, you guys are making witch bottles. No, that was back before we knew what a witch bottle was. But uh, yeah, curious enough, that thing would have been potent. That would have been like a warlock bottle. Well, I think that pretty well concludes it. That's a solid half hour or so. Um, sorry your mic was muted there, Chief. It's probably yeah. all that uh, that tank top. Yeah, it all went to my head. Well, let's sign out of here and get you back to bed, buddy. Thank you guys all for watching and following along, for commenting. Sorry this episode's a little short. We'll make it up next time when Preston's feeling better. If you're on the social medias, please give us a follow on the old Instagram. We are at PXLParanormal. 972 followers, folks. I bet you we hit 1,000 before Halloween, which would be phenomenal. If you're on Facebook, give us a follow. We are the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. You can give us a follow on there. Also, um, let me plug my own stuff here real quick. If you're on Instagram, give me a follow. It's Halloween time. I'm about to start another 31 days of 31 horror portraits. I am Sean Swope, all one word, on Instagram. So if you want to give me a follow, that'd be fantastic. You can follow along with my antics. Preston, what do you got, buddy boy? Well, we're still sitting at 275 subscribers on YouTube. So, I don't know, maybe fucking hit that like and subscribe button and get the hit the bell <laughs> notification so you know like when we go live. Uh, let's see. We're at uh, 10 followers on Rumble, but we average like, you know, 200 views or whatever. So, obviously, 190 people aren't fucking subscribing and liking on that. So, if you're watching us on Rumble, <laughs> I don't know. Give us a like and subscribe. Uh... That's all I got. Oh, look, if you're like me and you're just a fucking hot piece of man, uh, man candy, the reason why is because uh, I went over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and I used promo code PXLPARA for 20% off my order. And I picked myself up some scents like Bay Rum, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, and Sweet Tobacco. Uh, I bounce back and forth between Bay Rum and Sweet Tobacco. I lather that in my beard, put on my tank top, and God damn it, if I'm not the best piece of eye candy out there. And my beard smells fresh, looks fresh. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. If you're in the area, stop by. See our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post, Pawnee Seneca. If you're in the mood for some delicious little treats, check out Paranormal Egg Experience Food Truck or also their brick-and-mortar store, Paranormal.cafe. Um, i got to reach back out to the owners now that things have kind of settled down and see if we can get in there into their building, Presto, and, and do an episode in there. They've got some stories to tell, and I'd love to talk to them and kind of do a nice little plug for their restaurant and everything. So we had yeah. to get in there and get that cracking. Well, cool. All right. Parting thoughts here. Uh, we are so close to our 300th episode, which will come out just right before Halloween. So... So far, I'm sitting on five really incredible listener stories, some real, you know, bonkers stuff in one, uh, one of these. If you guys have your own story you want to send us in, please do that. You can email us your story at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can slide into our DMs. You can slide into our PMs. We also have a Google Voice number. The Google Voice number that we have 
is 913-662-3144. You can give us a call on that, get that crack. And I think you can leave up to like a two minute long message. So leave us a little story. Tell us something spooky. We'd really appreciate it. But yeah, reach out, give us your stuff. We'd love to share it. Um, you can remain anonymous. You can give us your first name. You can tell us in big, bold letters, do not share my name, which most of what I have, some of it's pretty unbelievable. So it's going to be anonymous for the most part. But um, we'll probably also do the old Q&A because that seems to go really well for our celebratory episodes. So think of some interesting questions if you'd like and shoot those over to us as well. It could be something as simple as, uh, you know, what kind of music you're listening to right now. Um, what's your favorite scary movie? Uh, you know, nothing's off limits to a degree in air quotes, but we'll definitely give you an answer for anything you send. Well, with that, we want to thank everybody. We really appreciate you guys. I'm, hold on a second here, Lazarus. Man, I got a story, but I can't share it. That's BS, buddy. You sure can. We can change your name. Yeah. No one will guess what story it is. <laughs> uh, we got a, we got a, this really cool story from a listener named Larry. Larry Zerus? <laughs> yeah, Larry Soros. Yeah. And hey, Fire Pixie, you probably got a story you should share as well. I imagine something weird or spooky or bizarre. Send that business over. Before this goes on too much longer, I'm going to raise this glass and say cheers to the weird shit in the world knows of us. I'd love to talk about it. And say spooky. Stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.